You are listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Hi, this is Dr. Vera Bittner, President of the National Lipid Association. I'd like to welcome you to Lipid Luminations, hosted by Dr. Alan Brown and presented by the National Lipid Association. We've heard a lot recently about the ill effects of trans fatty acids on our health, with New York City and many other municipalities moving to reduce or eliminate trans fats from our diets. Sometimes lost in this effort to reduce trans fat consumption is the concurrent rise in monounsaturated fats. And new studies have suggested that monounsaturated fats may not be as healthy as we once thought. How can we help our patients parse out the ingredients in our diet, avoiding those that may be harmful to our health? Our guest today is Dr. Lawrence Rudell. He's Professor of Pathology and Biochemistry and Head of the Lipid Sciences at Wake Forest University School of Medicine. Dr. Rudell, welcome to the show. Thank you. So we'd like to ask you a couple of questions regarding dietary fats and how they protect us from heart disease. There's so much in the media. Patients often get frustrated with reading something one day that's good for you and the next day finding out it isn't. So what dietary fats protect us from heart disease and which don't? That's a good question, and the answer to that is that polyunsaturated fats protect us from heart disease. Saturated fats and monounsaturated fats do not. Can you kind of review with us some of the data regarding atherosclerosis and the different dietary fat intake and also maybe a few clues as to what we can tell our patients to help make decisions about how they read labels, et cetera? Surely. What we've done in our studies is tried to find out at the level of the artery wall, the coronary arteries themselves, what kinds of fats really protect them and what kinds of fats do not. We've used monkeys and we've used mice in these studies, and we've had to feed the monkeys for as long as five years to see the effects on the artery wall. At the end of a study, we actually looked directly at the artery wall and morphometrically and chemically, we measure how much uh, cholesterol accumulation in the artery there is and how much plaque development has occurred so that we can see exactly what the fat effects are on the arterial system itself. Now, when you do that, did you also look at the plasma lipoproteins? And then we looked at the plasma lipoproteins, and we looked at the good cholesterol, which is HDL, and the bad cholesterol, which is LDL, as well as examining what happened in the liver and trying to keep track of how the dietary fat affect those endpoints and how the endpoints relate to what we see in the arteries themselves. So can you discuss that with us a little bit? We sometimes think that dietary fat is more of an effect on chylomicrons and their remnants for that period immediately after eating. And I think there's still some misunderstanding about how these fats may affect the endogenous production of lipoproteins. So could you tell us with, the, with regard to saturated fat, monounsaturated and polyunsaturated, the effects on the plasma lipoproteins? Surely, because there was a study in the mid-80s done in humans by Fred Matson and Scott Grundy in which they compared monos, polys, and sats. And they actually made the first observation that low-density lipoproteins are the bad guys were actually as low with monos as they were with polys, and the HDL or the good guys were higher, so that the best 
risk factor relationship, low bad guys, low LDLs, and higher HDLs was associated with monounsaturated fat consumption. So when we did the monkey study, we got exactly that outcome. But on the other hand, when we looked in the arteries, the monounsaturated fat caused as much atherosclerosis as the saturated fat. Only the polys protected. So the question was, how could this be? And it looks like the effects are really on the composition, the lipid composition, the fatty acid composition, cholesterol esters in the low-density lipoproteins. And I think it's probably been underappreciated how much the composition influences the amount of atherosclerosis that results. So that's fascinating. And therefore, some of the concern in the media recently about monounsaturated fat intake. So I recall a study of rhesus monkeys many years ago that peanut oil led to atherosclerosis. Do we have similar data now for, say, olive oil? <laughs> we have not used olive oil per se. We've used other monounsaturated fats, again, modeling after the original Matson and Grundy study. But there's a lot of monounsaturated fat being added to our diet these days with modified dietary oils that are have been generated since we've encouraged everybody to take trans fatty acids out of our food supply. What the food fat industry is doing is replacing trans with monounsaturated fat. And the evidence, of course, that we have is that this is not going to be a helpful change in fat composition. So that's uh, eye-opening to say the least. Do you feel that there might be some benefits simply because people are removing more saturated fat from their diet and switching to the monounsaturates, or should we be getting the message out there that they should be using polyunsaturated fat as much as possible? Well, as I said earlier, the evidence we got in the monkey studies, and we repeated it three times in mice, and the evidence is that monos don't protect any better than sats. Sats and monos both cause the same amount of atherosclerosis, so I would encourage everyone to use polys, uh, either vegetable oil or N-3 fish oils and natural N-3 fatty acids because the evidence is that they protect us much better. Fascinating. So you had pointed out that you noticed a change in the composition of LDL cholesterol, that that was modified by monounsaturated fats. Can you describe that in a little more detail and maybe whether you did some interventions to see if there was a benefit in making changes in the composition of LDL cholesterol? Surely. We had noticed in our monkey studies early on that the content in LDL particles was up to 70, 75% cholesterol oleate, which is not naturally there. It's, it's typically cholesterol linoleate, which is a polyunsaturated fatty acid. And that great enrichment of oleic acid, which is a monounsaturated fatty acid, related to the diet, we wondered how could that be, what is the source of that? So we looked in the liver, and the liver accumulates a lot more cholesterol ester when monounsaturated fat is fed. And that cholesterol ester in the liver is also cholesterol oleate, or the monounsaturated cholesterol ester. So we looked and examined which enzyme it is in the liver 
that actually makes that cholesterol ester. And that's an enzyme called ACAT2. And so we went to mice and we did knockout mice where we genetically engineered the mice to get rid of that enzyme so they can't make it anymore. And in those mice, they don't make much cholesterol oleate. There's not much cholesterol oleate in their plasma, and they're highly protected, over 80% less atherosclerosis in those mice when they can't make that cholesterol ester. So the knockout of the enzyme that makes the cholesterol oleate suggests that that is a good thing and that we would like to be able to reduce the amount of of, uh, cholesterol oleate in our circulation. It's interesting that in some epidemiologic studies, uh, one of the AREC studies, an Uppsala longitudinal study in adult men, both showed a very positive and significant correlation between cholesterol oleate and human plasma and the amount of carotid intimal thickness in the case of the AREC study and cardiovascular death in the case of the Uppsala study. So it looks like cholesterol oleate is not just an important factor in animals. It looks like it's also important in humans. Great. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Lipid Luminations on ReachMD XM160. I'm Dr. Alan Brown, your host. Our guest today is Dr. Lawrence Rudell, Professor of Pathology and Biochemistry and Head of Lipid Sciences at Wake Forest University School of Medicine. We're discussing dietary fats and heart disease. So, Dr. Riddell, there's been so much discussion about the benefits of the Mediterranean diet. Many times those benefits are attributed to the high amount of olive oil within the diet. So how do you explain the fact that people tend to think the Mediterranean diet is the safest diet, and yet high olive oil, at least in your animal models, may lead to atherosclerosis? That's a common misconception. The Mediterranean diet is a very safe diet. And we know from studies such as the seven-country study and a couple other studies that when people are fed the Mediterranean diet or naturally eat the Mediterranean diet, they generally have low incidence of heart disease. And one of the constituents in the Mediterranean diet is olive oil. What is not generally understood about the Mediterranean diet, however, is that just about everything in the Mediterranean diet is different from the Western diet. We have a lot of dairy products and animal fats and meats and those kinds of ingredients in our diet that they don't have in the Mediterranean diet. They eat a lot more vegetables and high-fiber foods. They eat a lot of fish. We don't eat nearly as much fish in this country. They have lots of red wine. Just about every major food group in the Mediterranean diet is different from the Western diet. And so it's not accurate to say the Mediterranean diet protects you because of the olive oil. The Mediterranean diet protects you because it's got lots of protective things in it. It does have olive oil in it, but it may be good in spite of the olive oil. Very interesting. These kind of misconceptions are common. It's just like looking at average life expectancy to determine whether a country has the best health care policy. People live longer because of different habits in different countries. So with that said, you mentioned ACAT inhibition. 
as I recall, it was an ACAT2 inhibitor that you used in the knockout, or you knocked out the ACAT2 in the mice to show a reduction in cholesterol oleate within their LDL cholesterol. Any thoughts about why we haven't seen exciting ACAT inhibitor studies in humans? Well, ACAT inhibitors have been tried for quite a while, but there are two ACAT enzymes. Knockout mice have shown us that it's probably detrimental to knock out ACAT1. It's highly beneficial in knockout mice to knock out ACAT2. And the problem with all the ACAT inhibitors that have been tested to date is that they're nonspecific and they knock out both ACAT1 and ACAT2. So we don't yet have a study with an ACAT2-specific inhibitor, although there are some that have been identified. They have not been tested in humans yet, but the evidence is pretty good that we don't want to inhibit ACAT1. We want to confine it to ACAT2. Now, if we were going to give doctors out there some fuel to the fire to tell their patients what types of oils to use and uh, some general dietary guidelines, can you give us kind of some final thoughts on what you would say to your patients that's understandable for the patients? Surely. I think to recommend to patients that they not substitute out the vegetable oils that we've used for the last 30, 40 years Soybean oil has been very common on the shelves in the grocery stores, and these days you'll find a huge switch to canola oil and other monounsaturated fat. There's a lot of olive oil available, and those are monounsaturated fatty acid-rich oils. And we'd rather people stay with good old polyunsaturated fat-rich vegetable oils and then, you know, fish oil, N-3 fatty acids uh, associated with fish oils are added now in many cases to various kinds of foods, and and we think the N-3 fatty acids are polys, and they're good as well. So any kind of polyunsaturated fat is what we'd recommend, and that's usually just vegetable oil. Usually it's soybean oil, it can be safflower oil, it can be sunflower oil, it can be corn oil, but all of those oils are rich and polys, and that's what we want people to try to stay with. Okay, that's excellent information. Thank you very much. We've been talking with Dr. Lawrence Riddell about dietary fats and heart disease. Dr. Riddell, thank you very much for being our guest. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Lipid Luminations, presented by the National Lipid Association. For more information, visit www.lipid.org.